Welcome to the Raising Successful Kids podcast. This is a podcast where we will discuss and explore how to raise children to be successful in all areas of their life. Irene Santanier is a working mum of an entrepreneurial child and shares a passion with her husband to see children succeed. And now, introducing your host, Irene Santanier. So welcome everyone to um, another episode of Raising Successful Kids. Thank you very much for joining us today. I have the great pleasure of speaking to somebody um, who, if you're into LinkedIn, uh, especially in the UK, then you will probably have come across this lady. Um, she, I, I'm actually on her mastermind, but that's not the reason I've managed to secure um, a podcast with her. I hope not anyway. But she knows uh, what she doesn't know about LinkedIn isn't worth knowing. And she runs a very, very successful LinkedIn coaching and training business, um, which has helped a lot of people move away from being able to look at LinkedIn as a, just a recruitment tool to actually being able to use it as a business tool. So I'm very honoured and privileged to have Helen Pritchard on the podcast today. Welcome, very Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. What an introduction. <laughs> Very happy and grateful to be here. Yes, and you are one of my masterminders, which is definitely not the reason why we're here. <laughs> today, just to put that straight. But yes, LinkedIn, never thought when I grew up I was going to be the LinkedIn woman, but here I am. Yeah, no, that's um, funny yes, how things happen. So I joined, um, just so that you know, I joined or found out about you about a year ago. I was lying in bed having had a foot operation and couldn't move for six weeks. And you were putting out about a five-day challenge. And I just thought actually, I quite like LinkedIn, I'm going to have a go at that. And from then on, um, I persuaded my husband that I needed to join the mastermind. And to my detriment, I haven't moved along enough with it. But that's my fault. That's not Helen's because Helen contacts us every single day, puts out stuff for us to do every single day. How she finds the time to put out all the content that she does is unbelievable. (laughs) which is why I feel really guilty that I haven't, I've got clients from it, but I haven't done as much as I could have done. So well, there just, you go. that's the magic. You've not done it all, but it's still working. Yeah. So that, that's it. Yeah. And <laughs> it works. It does. It works it. whether you do all of it or some of it, to be honest, but yeah, yeah don't feel guilty. Just be pleased that it's working. It's more that I know I could do more, but I think that's in this, you know, that's the same with anything in life. You could do more. If you put more into it, you're going to get more results. Um, and this is just a kind yeah. of snapshot of this particular thing. If I did more, I know I could get more out of it. But nevertheless, can you tell the audience a little bit about who Helen Pritchard is and why LinkedIn is so fundamental to your life? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I hope there's more to me than LinkedIn. Um, so, yeah, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Helen Pritchard. My business is called Helen Pritchard Online. It's an online coaching training business. And the reason why LinkedIn is so powerful for me is because when I, um, in 2007, 2008, uh, through to 2010, we went into the recession. So at that time, I was married, two very small children, husband was a builder. We went through the recession and with it, it took the building business and the marriage and about £90,000 worth of personal debt that I'd signed for. And mm. um, so I was left with, uh, in a situation where, um, I had absolutely no money, mm. obviously. I was in really severe financial crisis. <laughs> it's like, it's mad now to think about it. But anyway, yeah. that, that's where I was. Yeah. Um, I have to caveat this story with, I have very, you know, loving, supportive, middle-class family who were mm. never going to see me on the streets. Yeah. So it wasn't that dramatic. But, no. you know, as a grown-up mother, you know, having to have your dad take you around the local co-op to buy your food for you yeah. isn't like your finest hour. No. Um, so I was in quite a lot of financial difficulties. I had no money. That was really important. And one of the things that I always talk about is that um, now I run a very successful business. I have lots of money. I have more mm. money than I've ever seen. Mm. Um, but I never, I never ever forget that feeling of having no money yeah. and having no access to funds and just that the way that I made you feel and the way it feels when you're in debt. You know, it's, it, it never really leaves you, I no. don't think. No. And my biggest motivation in business is to help people who were 10 years ago me who are really, like, in the shit. Like, excuse my language, yeah. but my language is probably going to get worse. But... Um, <laughs> is those people that I really like to help because that's what I needed. I needed yeah. someone to just give me enough for me yeah. to get some cash in the bank. And you'll know being in my world that that's what it's all about for me. It's about getting cash in the bank. And yeah. hopefully the, when you hear the story, it makes a bit more, gives it a bit of context, makes more sense. So I had no money. 
also suffer from mental health problems from a very young age. So I was in the Priory Hospital when I was 16, um, had a complete breakdown, agoraphobia, panic, panic attacks, um, anxiety, mm. couldn't leave the house. So I've always suffered, um, or I had always suffered up until that point um, with my mental health. Now I've been, my recovery from that has been a, a lifelong kind of piece of work, I guess, a lifelong project of um, developing different ways of dealing with it and mm. coming through that. And I've got a real foundation of spirituality and things like that. And then I wouldn't say I have any mental health problems at all now, which I think is, again, really important for people to hear. Yeah. Because I've, I know some people say to me, oh, you're the first person, you're the first agoraphobic I've ever met who isn't agoraphobic anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, I've been around the world 25 times this year. Like, yeah. I'm anything but agoraphobic. But I think people put labels on themselves and, and mental health-wise, you know, oh, I'm agoraphobic. It's like, yeah. you're not always agoraphobic. Like, no. you are in that in that moment. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so when I, when I was under a lot of stress with this, a lot of my mental health problems came back. So... I was, and it was hard to believe. I had no confidence. I wasn't able to stand up and speak <laughs> to people. <laughs> um, um, and so I couldn't go to things mm. like networking. So networking was kind of 10 years ago, that was the thing you did. You went to networking, you stood up, you talked about what you did, you sold a few things to a few people, and you had a cup of tea, and then you went and you kept going back the next week. Did the same. Yeah. And I had a, a very fledgling social media business. Um, but I couldn't do those things. So I couldn't afford to go to networking. I couldn't, 15 quid was out of the question. Mm. Like, that was money that I used to yeah. feed me and the kids, you know. That's a week shopping. Um, I couldn't get, I couldn't, it is a week shopping. Yeah, yeah not now. No, but, but then, now. yeah. It was then, absolutely. Yeah, um, I couldn't face it. So I mm. couldn't go, I didn't have the confidence to go and stand up and talk to people, which mm. I know is mad now. And I couldn't get to stuff logistically. I had two kids under five. Mm. It was like, Hang on a minute, I can't go to something at seven in the morning. I've yeah. got kids to get up and get to nursery and stuff. Yeah. So that's really when I looked at LinkedIn. I thought, well, hang on, this makes sense because um it's free. Mm. I can do it off my computer, as yeah. was then. Like now you can do it off your phone. It's got loads of potential clients in there. So I knew my ideal client was a, and you'll know that big part of my my work is ideal client avatar and yeah. um, I knew my ideal client was a middle-aged guy in a bricks and mortar business in Warrington which is a town where I live yeah. um, who knew about social media but didn't want to know about how to do it and would just pass it all off to me I knew I had to earn two and a half grand a month to survive I wanted 10 clients paying me 250 quid and that was like my absolute yeah. that's how I started out in business and mm-hmm. again this forms the foundation of so much of my teaching now so that was my need to earn bigger. So mm. I needed 10 clients, maybe £250. I looked at LinkedIn and I thought, well, there's tens and tens of thousands. I've got hundreds of thousands of business owners in Warrington on here. Look at them all. Like, I only need 10. Yeah. So if I write my LinkedIn profile, I looked at my LinkedIn profile and I saw, and I saw it. See, I've never had any LinkedIn training ever of mm. anybody. Mm. I've never done anyone else's courses. I've never spoke to LinkedIn ever I've never read a book about it I've never even read an article about it I've only I only teach exactly how I use it yeah and I think that's why my stuff's half really controversial because it goes against everything that everyone else teaches absolutely but half engaging for people because it is so different and yeah. so practical and it's yeah. not about oh like hacks and the algorithm and and all this kind of like all this bullshit mm. that everyone else talks about but it's manageable so, um, it's manageable what you teach yeah, because it had to be manageable for me to yeah. do yeah like, I had enough stuff going on. Yeah. I couldn't be sitting in front of a computer all day, every day. That's it. I thought, I can get 10 clients out of this, surely. So I used my um, LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. Like everyone else sets it up like a CV. I had no idea. Never done it before. Um, and I used it as a landing page instead. Mm-hmm. I thought, if I can get 100 of Dave's, who's my idol, mm-hmm. so I can get 100 Dave's to come look at this, 10 of them will buy from me. That's the ratio, yeah? yeah. So I need to get in front of 1,000 Dave's. 100 of them come and look at this landing page, 10 of them will buy from me. That was my very unsophisticated, yeah, actually, I'm pretty, pretty accurate mm. um, way of looking at sales and marketing and marketing funnels and all that kind of stuff before we knew, before we called them. Before. Yeah. So I sat on my profile and I wrote it for all for Dave. Mm. Everything was for Dave. So my headline, my very first headline, which I wish I took a screenshot of, yeah. um, was something like helping small business owners in Warrington. So very niche, very specific. Not really as specific as I could have been. Mm. I could have done helping small business owners who run florists. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Like the more niche you are, the better. But anyway, small business owners in Warrington sell more stuff and raise their presence online on social media 
using Facebook and Twitter mm. marketing. Yeah. And then in my hash my fence post, it was like like two hundred fifty pound a month. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. It was, so it's kind of like this isn't my ideal client. So I'm looking for small business owners in Warrington. I'm going to help you sell more stuff. I'm going to charge you £250 a month. But it's really, really clear just in that headline because I knew that I only had a split second of their attention. Yeah. And if I could get them to see at least that bit, mm-hmm. and that's the bit everybody sees, because mm-hmm. that's the bit that sits in your like request folder, mm-hmm. that at least if they were a small business owner in Warrington and they were interested in making more money mm-hmm. and they had £250 to spend, then they would click on it. And if they weren't, then they wouldn't, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it says what and it does on the team. Profile. Exactly, like, I didn't want to waste any time. Like, I, I mean, I've been in marketing a long time. I've done various different bits and pieces. I've been in the online space for mm. a long time. And, you know, so I knew our websites, I've done websites for business. So I knew our websites work, I knew our email marketing work. I knew it's like, you get a split second to yeah. get someone's attention. And I just yeah. thought, well, let's not dick about. Like, yeah. let's just be really clear. Dave doesn't want to be given a load of, marketing bullshit no. Dave's not that guy mm. that's why he's my ideal client because mm-hmm. I'm not that girl yeah mm-hmm. so one of the, another thing that I talk about a lot is value joy profit mm-hmm. and I knew that I wanted to work with someone like Dave because I could just get on with him just pick up the phone talk to him normally drop in have a brew with him you know talk to him like a normal person I wouldn't have to like get all dressed up in like agency gear mm-hmm. and go and do a powerpoint presentation I wanted someone who's down to earth like me who, who would appreciate my directness and I would appreciate his simple, like, I don't want to get involved. Let's not play any games. I'll give you £250. You make me more than £250. Everyone's yeah. a winner. Let's go. Yeah. I'm not for everyone, and, and he's not for everyone. And mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted that client fit because I didn't want horrible clients. Yeah. Because I couldn't deal with them. I wasn't in the space to do it. I had enough stuff going on. I just wanted nice clients, make my life easy, get me two and a half grand a month. Everyone would be okay. Yeah. And I just needed 10. And that I was really focused on that. And I knew the kind of guy I wanted to work with. So I spoke to him in those way. I spoke to him in that way. I wanted to turn off as many people as possible. So it's like, are you a small business owner in Warrington? Are you sick of being sold things you don't understand? You know, have you heard about this social media thing when you know that it's kind of something you need to do, but you just don't want to get involved in it? You know, do you want to sell more stuff online and look better online and beat your competition, but you just haven't got the time? inclination or energy or interest in social media to do it mm. if so I can help mm. you know I love social media I've done this this and this I'm a single mom from Warrington I'm a business owner just like you I can drop in and have a brew with you whenever you want I can speak to you in normal language you give me 250 pound I'll give you more than that back in sales yeah that's the deal yeah it's 250 pound a month there was no like do this package that package. it was like that's it yeah you know I've got 10 I've got space for 10 clients if you're interested Got me a message on it, and that was it. Yeah. I then went and found all the days I could find, and I didn't understand about being restricted and all sorts. Of so I just went yeah. and found all the days, all the all the business owners in Warrington who were men who looked like they had a bricks and mortar business in Warrington, and I went and found them, and I asked them all to connect with me. And I didn't write a personal connection request. I just went through the list, and I just went and I added them all. They must have added tons of. Went to bed, forgot about it, woke up in the morning, opened up my laptop, and it's like loads of messages, inboxes. Wow. Hi, Helen. Like, you're exactly what we need. Is it, You know, the thing about doing social media, I'm sick of being speaking to agencies. Like, everyone's filling me full of shit. Like, you sound like the sort of person that we can work with. Like, where do we sign, basically? And I, I signed all the people up just off that. Yeah. That's before I was doing content management. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. Like, that makes sense. Brilliant. So that's how I got all my leads. Yeah. And then over time, the business sort of grew and evolved and changed. And, I, you know, we ended up getting offices and we started to do more technical stuff. And we went into Facebook ads because that was the thing at the time. Mm. And uh, we went into Facebook ads for recruitment. So we became very, very niche. Um, and then we, what happened was that we went, I then wanted to work with bigger companies who had a big recruitment problem. So these were big brands. Mm who we could help with Facebook advertising. We charge three grand a month at this mm. point. So it's totally different business, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I just decided one day, this is what I want to do. Okay. And these are the kind of clients I want to work with. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had to speak to HR directors now. So I just redid my whole profile, mm-hmm. and it was like helping. So I did my new profile. Just literally got up one day and was like, this is what we're going to do now. You know, helping. And then my new headline was like, helping HR directors hire better people faster using Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. And then in the in the fence post, it was three thousand pound per month contract or whatever. Mm. 
And then the, the profile was totally different. So I were HR director with a recruitment problem. Are you sick of being told by recruiters that they can fix it, but they can't? Mm. You know, are you getting the same old, same old CVs? Because mm. my background was in recruitment. Mm. Yeah. Are you putting on the same job ads, job boards as all your competitors and getting all the same people? Yeah. Are you just getting loads of people who are out of work rather than active? Oh, we can help. And the reason why we can help is because we can create these. And they were dead good. Honestly, mm. that business was so clever, but it was 10 years ahead of its time, really. Yeah. You know, we created these, these amazing Facebook ads that really spoke to the values of the people. We put them on Facebook in front of the right people. Mm. It's dead clever. Mm. And we worked with some amazing companies like Lakeland Plastics and Eddie Stobarts and wow. some really, really big brands. But what was happening with that yeah. is, you know, no one knows that about me. Like I was like, I was like the the agency woman. I was the yeah. uh, recruitment. I, I was like, this, it was like the second coming. People yeah. were like, have you met this woman? She does this recruitment thing through Facebook and it's like proper work, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and um, it was great, but it was just, it was complicated. So I was working with big brands mm. and they, they have big teams and we'd be, always fighting with marketing and recruitment mm. and stepping mm. on toes and it, it fell out of my value joy profit mm. triangle basically was that because it became it. it became too corporate for you where you'd stepped away from yeah, being it became corporate. A bit corporate I was having to go to meetings mm. I was like I have to get dressed and go mm. to places and you know and I, you know and it, to be honest it was the women it was, mm. it, was our, it was fighting with women basically in the politics of mm. HR HR directors love me because they were coming to me. Yeah. So this is the thing about all my stuff. People come to me. HR directors love me. They bring me in, dead excited. And then the HR managers would be like, and the recruitment manager would be like, who's yeah. this? And Mark would be like, we're not doing that. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, guys, girls, come on. Let's yeah. just pull it together. But they weren't performing. Mm. And then I would come in and show them all up. And mm. they'd be like, oh, yeah. And then it was just weird. And they're like sabotaging it, basically, not, not bringing people back. And, Anyway, I just thought, you know what, I'm out. I'm not interested in politics. I'm, if I wanted, wanted to do that, I'd go and get a big corporate job, wouldn't yeah, I? exactly. You know, I could go and get a job tomorrow and get underground the as a marketing director and fight all day with women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> so um, what happened, though, was when I was doing that is I was going, I was like, I was quite the woman about town then. I was a lot better. I was, like, going to a lot of networking. I was mm. part of, like, the Institute of Directors. I was going to a lot of events and stuff like that. And people you say to me like how how are you getting all these big clients you know like what's your what's your marketing plan what's your strategy and I was like they come to me and they're like mm. what and I was like yeah yeah no they come to me they uh, they, they they message me on LinkedIn and they were like what <laughs> and I was like yeah yeah it's that easy <laughs> people like, I don't understand and I'm like oh no it's that easy and I'd always be like at some kind of um like round a table somewhere so I'd get like the napkin and I'd be like, oh, no, it's dead easy, look, this is what you do. Yeah. And I'd draw it out and okay, and I'd be like, this is your profile, this mm. is your headline, X, Y, Z, by X, Y, Z. And then this is your content, so you put this kind of content out, and then you engage with them publicly, not privately. Mm. And then you add more people, and people would be like, all right. Yeah. And then they'd come back, and they'd be like, guess what? <laughs> like, it works. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and then people would come to me going, you know, like, no one else teaches it like that, don't you? And I was like, I don't know, I'm too busy running a business. Yeah. Like, I'm... I'm too busy, like, dealing with all my leads and, and managing it. I had, like, about 10 staff at one point and all mm. that, like, you know, motivation, shit on the walls and all that. Mm. Um, I, was, like, I was too busy running a business to even think about it. I just, that's how I got on my, on my work. Mm. People like, Anna, no one uses LinkedIn like this. I was like, oh, cool. And they're like, oh, can you tell my, help my friend? And I, and I was like, oh, I tell you, I tell you, this, this business I'm in now, I'll tell you exactly how it started. So I was at home. My ex-husband's builder, we've got a great relationship, like so no hard feelings at all. Ex-husband's builder. And I remember looking out my window and you've heard about, you know, builders and the houses and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And the garden. We had these big plans for the garden and the kind of half built and stuff. And it's like, you know, like rails everywhere and yeah. the kids would be like playing around it, you know, the, you know, and it was just, oh, I really need to get that garden done. Mm. Now running an agency is very unprofitable, don't tell anyone. <laughs> so I wasn't making a huge amount of money I mean I was paying myself a wage and I was managing but yeah. I was making a huge amount of money mm. and there's no way to really scale an agency mm. well there are but anyway yeah. it wasn't for me but I just need a couple of grand to do that patio mm. how can I make a couple of grand and I was thinking all these people asking me about this LinkedIn thing what if I just charge like £99 mm-hmm. did 20 like Zoom calls at night while I was like well I'm not at work and um, show people how to do it because it only takes me like it's like that napkin thing. Yeah, well, it's only half an hour. Yeah, 
So I started doing my £99 thing and that sort me back into Facebook. So I started joining Facebook groups and stuff like that and mm-hmm. networking groups saying, oh, I can show you how to use LinkedIn for £99. People like So I do one, do it over Zoom. And again, £99 thing is one of my things that I teach. Yeah. So we do it over Zoom. I £99, get them to give me the money first. Mm-hmm. That's really important. So mm-hmm. they send me the paper, dead low tech, and we get on Zoom, record it. I'd spend the first half an hour listening to them and mm-hmm. their business and what was going on and uh, talk about their ideal client, which I then then would rip apart and actually get them to define an ideal client mm-hmm. and a niche. And then once we'd done that and value joy profit, then I'd show them how to do the, the LinkedIn thing. Mm-hmm. And then, and it was loads of fun. And I was speaking to these people and then I'd tell their friends and then we'd get all this like people have been raving about it in the groups and other people want to do it. And I ended up doing, I don't know, hundreds hundreds mm. like multiple hundreds of those one-to-ones mm. those 99 pound so, so all this money was coming in but I was running myself ragged obviously because yeah. I was doing it yeah, every yeah. day and I was doing people in Australia and this guy's so you know barely seeing my children well I was seeing my children but only from there yeah. <laughs> and they were like yeah. watching me on stream all the time they're like what are you doing <laughs> well I'd just I'd be like well these are my kids you know and if you've seen me do a challenge yeah. then the kids will come on to lives and stuff like that so it was all very like laid back but I was but people were absolutely raving about it and mm. I was kind of like well, yeah I know it works mm. but what that taught me and again one of the things I teach other business owners now is about go and do those 100 hours mm. at least before you want to do yeah. all the sexy things that I do now like the big mastermind launches yeah. and that kind of stuff yeah. go and do, do that yeah. I call it becoming time served yeah learn your really. trade until you've done those yeah, so you've done those 100 hours, you don't really know your ideal client. No. You don't really know how good you are at what you do. You don't no. really know what your audience wants. No. So I think that's one of the things I say to people, which is very disappointing, because they come to me and they're like, oh, I want to do what you've done. Mm. I'm like, you're going to do your 100 hours? Mm. And they're like, no. <laughs> it's, it's not sexy. No. And no one, people didn't see me doing that, because that was happening all as I was transitioning into it. Mm. And uh, But it taught me one really, really important thing. Like, I'm not stupid, right? I'm a business businesswoman. Mm. It told me one really, really important thing, which was it works. Yeah. Yeah. Without fail. Yeah. It's about no setting a foundation, are. isn't it? If you set I've the foundation. And every time I get on that call, and it was such a good way to really hone your craft because mm. I, I wouldn't get anyone to prep, and I just literally turn the computer on and be like, right, tell me about your business. Yeah. And no matter what the business was, whether it's B2C, B2B, mm. whether it's like, um, whether like introverted, extroverted, whether they've been doing it for years, whether they've just started whether they like ran a massive multi multi million pound company. I've, I've spoke mm. to some like really senior directors of big companies mm. and really brand new tiny like freelancers and it just worked yeah. for everybody. Everyone who does the work, it works yeah. guaranteed. And yeah. that's when I thought, oh hang on. Yeah, I'm onto something here. This mm. is this could be really, really big. And mm. it was almost like this is could be really, really big. Mm. And it's proven to be really big, you mm. know. So that was kind of year one. I gave up the agency. I went to a meeting and a woman spoke to me like a piece of shit and I was like, I'm out. Mm. I'm like, I don't want to work with you again. And I came back and I made all my staff redundant, which was horrible. That was mm. the worst thing I've ever had to do. I rehired a lot of them back on um, you know, like freelance contracts and I said, I'm just going to be the LinkedIn woman now. And mm. everyone thought I had lost my mind. <laughs> Everybody. They're like, how have you just like set fire to an agency mm. and now you're going to be this LinkedIn woman? I was like, because I believe in it mm. and because I know I can help people and I can help anybody yeah. and everybody. Yeah. I know that goes against a lot of things that I, t- I teach, but that was really, really powerful for me. And I, I was like, I just pulled myself out of the shit with this 99 pound thing. Mm. Like made loads of cash in my, in my life and I want to help other people do that. Mm. And that was really my mission. It was like, I want to help 10 years ago me. Mm. And I knew I could do, because 99 pounds for a lot of people is is doable. Yeah. You know, I think even me, on the bones of my arse, if I, if I really felt it would help me make some money in my business then yeah. I would invest in it absolutely and that's why I teach teach a lot of people to go and do that it's a win-win for everybody mm. it's, it's one of them one of the best things I've ever I've ever done but then I really thought I'm I'm definitely on something here and then mm. it, it became I just became the LinkedIn woman so mm. again one of the things a lot of people don't know about me is that I've done well over 200 250 guest experts so that is where you're a guest expert in other people's Facebook groups wow and again, that's huge. people don't want to don't want to hear that because no. they're like, "Oh, that sounds like hard work." Yeah, and I'm like it's not hard work. Well, you've got to do it. Yeah, you've got to do it. Yeah. It's the best way to leverage your time, your authority, and your resources. So yeah. do it. 
but don't do a guest expert and think that's going to make you the woman of or the man of your thing yeah Yeah, no you've got to do hundreds of them Mm. you know now it's podcasts I've done well over 100 podcasts Mm. you know well over probably close to 200 now yeah that's what you have to do if you want to scale you know if you want people say oh you know, you make it look really easy and you make it look like you're always online. Mm. But it's about creating this content to be used again and again and again yeah. and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm always online and all that kind of stuff. I'm actually not. Mm. The truth is my week is very, very light on my time now. Mm. So, I yes, I do. Uh, another thing that I did was when I launched the Mastermind, which is my group programme, in the first one that I launched two years ago, I sold it to eight people, probably yeah. £99. <laughs> Again, people are like, oh, so my first one wasn't that bad. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's easy to look at me. So my last launch, we did over £300,000 mm. in revenue for the launch, mm. uh, for the September launch, which we've just done, um, which took us over a million pounds in revenue. It's um, amazing. November 2008, which is amazing. That's, congr- that's amazing? huge. That's, that's just think a- about... But it is huge because of it, where you were. It is huge, but it's, it wasn't it's, a surprise. No, but it's achievable, and that's what it shows people, um, especially when yeah. you're dealing with young people as well, that whatever you put your mind to, as long as you have, I mean, from what you're saying, it wasn't that you had a plan, but you were able to think, right, this is working, no. I'm going to pivot from this. And one of your taglines is always, it's not for now, it's not forever, it's just for now. Just for now. So as long yeah. as you're prepared to think, okay, well, this is working great, we're going to ride this wave, but when you realise that things aren't going or change, then you change. Yeah, that's a, a tough, it's a tough decision to make, yeah. but making the decision is a hard bit. Yeah. Now, I think when you decide to pivot, as we call it, mm. you pivot and then you go all in. Yeah. So you can't just be pivoting every five minutes like no. a fucking ballerina. No. Because people just like... Oh, you're just like, I don't get it. Yeah. But yeah, making that decision that this isn't me anymore mm. is hard mm. because your identity is caught in mm. it. Mm. You know, so I was that woman. I was the agency woman. I was on the cusp of something big mm. as well. Like I knew that I had massive potential. I wanted everybody to recruit that way. Mm. But I just couldn't get it. I just didn't have, I don't know what I didn't have, but I didn't have what it took to really take it mm. like global mm. and for people to be like, oh my God, this is the thing. Mm. I, I personally think I was a bit early mm. and I also didn't have the heart for the corporate side of things. Yeah. Having been it's part of your master having been part of your mastermind, I, I see that you're very people orientated and when you're sometimes in that corporate world it's not people orientated at all. And you always teach no, as well. The money is important, yeah. but it's helping people first and then the money will come. Don't worry about that because it will come. What you're doing is solving yeah. people's problems. Yeah, and one of the things that we talk about and, and introduce it, I think you can get it on YouTube um, if you search my YouTube introducing series um, with me and Gul Khan and we talk about toxic money mm. and high vibrational money. Mm. I think that was, re- that was a really interesting, like that's one of, the, one of my own videos I would watch back, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. when I was in it, I could feel it, the energy shift, if that made sense. Yeah. And I think it'd be really interesting to watch. And money is very different when you're earning it in a way that absolutely lights you up mm. it really is mm. it feels different mm. it's energy it flows to you like it flow it i would say money flows through you yeah. not to you yeah it's not about holding on to it it's just coming through you so mm. the more impact i have the more good work that i do the more money that i make mm. the more money that i make the more money that, that i then distribute yeah. and the more people that i train who then make more money who then then distribute so it's like it's this high vibrational money mm. where people are doing work that they absolutely love and they're making an impact and helping other people as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's a very, very different energy mm. to being in that agency space where, yeah, I'm helping companies grow mm-hmm. and I'm helping people get the right jobs, which is very, very important. Well, fundamentally, it came down to profitability and productivity, which is yeah. is, is the corporate way. Yeah. Um, I and when you talk about value doing profit, I could have done that for years. Mm. But making that decision, and literally everyone around me was just like, like my, my family and my parents were like, what What are you doing? And I yeah. was like, I'm not doing that anymore. Mm. It's like, you can't just stop doing one thing and do something else. You've got no experience. And I was like, I, I can, watch yeah. me. <laughs> people were just like, uh. and you've got to put yourself in the abyss, as yeah. I call it. So a lot of people come to me and like, oh, I want to do this thing, but I still want to do this. And I was at Denise Dr. Thomas Talk in London, 
and she puts an analogy on it like like you're trying to swing through the trees mm. but you're still holding on to this vine mm. so you can't you you just look yeah you can't really make something fly yeah while you're still holding on to that other thing you have got to burn it to the ground yeah and put yourself in your abyss now that's my character mm. I like to be in the I like to be in the shit yeah there's a part of me that's I'm always looking for ways to motivate, but motivate myself now because yeah. being skin isn't one of them. Yeah. But I remember that feeling, mm-hmm. you know, and I would say that we can we can use adversity. So lots of bad things have happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of bad things have happened to lots of us. Yeah. I think bad things happen to good people all the time. All the time. You can use that adversity for me, you can use it as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What I call a bullshit excuse. Yeah. Of like, oh well, I can't because. Yeah. Oh yeah, but mm. Or you can use it as a catalyst and use the energy to think, so you know what, I'm going to use this to do something great yeah. with it. And yeah. it doesn't matter what it is. Mm. You have to just be really, really confident that your thing is aligned with your own values. Yeah, of course. That you know it has a positive impact on the world mm. and you know you're going to enjoy doing it every day. Yeah. And as long as you have that all lined up, you can do anything. You yeah. can be anything you absolutely want to be. Right. But you have to go all in and just go be that one person. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to. You have to go and uh, well, what one of the things that I say again is like you have to go and market that business mm. and yourself the personal brand, like your life depends upon it because yeah. it does. Yeah, it does. Your dream life does. And the one of the things I love saying to people and I love saying it to their faces because I can watch their little faces crumble, <laughs> it's like nobody's coming to save you. Yeah. Not me, not anybody. You have got to do this yourself. You That's know. It. No, there's no magic quick fix. There's no, no quick solution to business. It's no. you've got to go all in. I can yeah. help you and give you the keys to the castle. Yeah. But I don't know if you saw the uh, I've not made my money back webinars. Yeah. So one of the things that I did in the so the mastermind is fifteen hundred pounds, which is a, a significant investment. I, I totally appreciate that. Mm. Um, but I put a post up in the in the group that said like who's not made the money back yet, and all yeah. the people that commented, I got them. Well, I I, I ran. Five hours in the end of webinars and I yeah. went through all of their stuff and I was like, this is why, this is yeah. why. And it's because people haven't done what they need to do. Yeah. You know, it's brutal, but it's it's necessary. Yeah, because you if, know, if, if people want to move... No, just no. magically happen. No, if people want to move forward, then it's up to them. And some people are serial mastermind attendees or course yeah. junkies course or what, junkies, whatever yeah. it might be. But they don't move I forward say, like, in I'm any way. I'm going to be pissed off if I see you signing up to anything else. Yeah. 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 No, you have to. And how do you then, because obviously you've got teenagers now, um, how do you in- encourage them to think oh, yes. when they're seeing the success that you have? There's this, um, we have a teenage boy and, that, and he can't help it, but there is a sense of entitlement that teenagers seem to have. So when... Ooh. How do you... It's a juicy topic. How do you... Hot topic at the moment as well. Oh, is it? How do you encourage them then to, to not be think entitled, but they can't help it because of the lifestyle that, you know, they're now living? Yeah, so this is hot topic. So I'm one of five girls, mm-hmm. um, and we all have children, and we all have very different parenting styles. Okay. So I'm at the very far left, laissez-faire end of the spectrum okay. of... I treat my children like human people who've mm-hmm. got their own lives to live mm-hmm. and I'm just here to keep my life, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. as best I can. Um, I tr- well, I try as best I can not to force my will and opinions upon them and mm-hmm. let them live their own lives and mm-hmm. make their own mistakes. Okay. One of my daughters in Manchester at the moment, navigating around the city with a cousin, uh, and this one's having a hair, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful hair dyed burgundy right at this moment. Mm. Um, and my mum said to me last night, she went, you never say no to your children. And I said, I very, very rarely say no to my children mm. because it's their, their, their lives. You know, they've got to make their own mistakes. You know, I'm very, I'm very, very much, I still feel like a teenager. Mm. Mm. I don't feel like a responsible grown up. Was that because your parents treated all of you that way, um, strict, or were they quite um, liberal with you? I mean, I'm the youngest, so I don't, I don't remember them being particularly strict. But yeah, like the hair thing, mm. my mum was denying it. Mm. But like, I, I did one of those like rinse through things in my hair when I was probably the same age as my eldest, mm. and it, you had to wash it. It was like six washings, isn't it? Washed out or something. Yeah. And my mum held me in the shower and washed my. <laughs> 
has its time. So she denies that now. I was like, I def- that definitely happened. Yeah. Like, that just would never happen. Like, Katie asked me if she would get a nose pierced, and I said no, mm. because I'd, and the hole doesn't close up. Mm. You know, so she's like, well, can I get my belly button done and my nipple done? And I'm just like, well, you can get whatever you want done. Mm. You're asking my advice. You know, and I wouldn't have my nose pierced because the hole must be there forever. You, it doesn't really close up properly, so you always look like you've got a spot on your nose. Yeah. Um, if she goes out and gets a nose pierced, there aren't going to be any consequences because the consequences are hers. Yeah. She's going to have something stuck on her face forever more. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I don't have to be particularly strict with my children because they're very well behaved. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. They've never given me cause to really, really be worried. So they... they School is something, I got moved up here at school, I was academically very bright, I hated school, I mm. was bullied and I wagged off a lot of school and I went mm. off the rails when I was about 14. Mm. So again, I tried very carefully with school, mm-hmm. I say like, you've just got to endure it, Yeah, you're not supposed to enjoy it, just get through it, Yeah, um, and they're, they're, they're middle of the road, you know, they, they do all right, you know, mm. they don't, I've never had a bad parents' evening, I've never had a phone call from school, mm. They don't love it. They don't hate it. No. They to be okay with their friendship group. So that to me is much more important. I've mm-hmm. never sat and done homework with them. Mm-hmm. Not my problem. Mm-hmm. It's your homework, not yeah. mine. Yeah, um, that's what we say with our I, son as well. It's your responsibility. Like, apart from business studies, I get involved a bit with that. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite, but yeah. So, cause I'm like, no daughter of mine is coming out of school without <laughs> <laughs> a high mark in business studies. <laughs> you know, Megan's like, she'll, she'll get naught out of turn on a French test, which she's like, but I'm not doing languages. Mm. She's my youngest. She's like, but mum, I'm not doing your languages, am I? And yeah. I'm like, suppose not. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, you know, they, they're just, I'm just like, well, yeah, I suppose. Um, so the entire thing. So they've been obviously part of the world when we had absolutely nothing. nothing so, yeah. um, and again, it's been brought up, you know, in a kind of, we're all talking about this, but no one's going to say it to your face. You know, yeah. you know. I think there was a comment from my sister about, yes, her daughter can go to Manchester with my daughter, but they go on the train like normal teenagers. They don't mm. get a chauffeur-driven car. Mm. You know, and it's kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's like, you know, and you're just like, okay, yeah, I get it. Because you're all like, I yeah. don't know, you know, and you're sort of like, oh, yeah. right, but if I wanted to send them in a chauffeur-driven car, like, what was the problem? Is that yeah. safer and better yeah. for them? But, Anyway, so yeah. they've gone on the train. Um, and I, I agree, you know, they learn to navigate their way around. Mm. However, they do have things like, so both my daughters have access to Apple Pay. So mm. they have access to my mm-hmm. bank account, basically. Mm-hmm. They have access to my Uber account, mm. so they can get a taxi whenever they need to. Yeah. Um, that, for me, is not about entitlement. That is about safety, safety. and security. Yeah. And much more. And laziness on my part. You know, if it's like, late at night and like oh, can I go somewhere and I'm like oh just yeah just get an Uber or yeah. you know I don't want to get up in my pyjamas and go pick them up from town like just get get an Uber and you know and it gets them and their friends around safely mm-hmm. the delivery thing is a bit out of control that's one of the things we do need to <laughs> you know it's kind of like hang on a minute why am I buying KFC for everybody's children yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like oh okay, you'll get KFC for everyone or McDonald's for everyone it's more like it's more about health than anything else yeah. like, and you're not just Make a cheese and I'm toasty like anyone else. Like yeah. You have to order in Domino's every time or put a pizza in the oven. So, yeah, you know, on holidays, we've been to New York. You know, we got a chauffeur down to, like, a chauffeur-driven thing to take us down to because mm. we took, like, five of Kate's mates down to, like, a caravan park thing. And, mm. you know, those things I could never have done before. No. Well, I just enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, and why not? You work hard. And I think I it was... hard. Yeah, exactly. And I think it also... It's a fine balance between teaching them that these things are available to them if they work hard, like their mum does. But yeah. you're not going to get it if you don't work hard. And I'm. It's not always going to be the bank of mum, or mum and dad, or mum and no, grandparents, I said or whatever. That to them. I said, look, I don't want you to get. So do you do what you want? I said, but there's a couple of things like because the both said, can we just work for you? And we're all good. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Mm. I'd never worked with any family, never mind my own children. Mm. I said, but, you know, deep down, I don't want you to get a job. Mm. You know, unless that's really what you really want to do. Yeah. I don't want you to get a job. I want you to start your own businesses. Mm. Um, and I would obviously help with that. Mm. I would always help with that. I mean, I used to lie awake thinking, how will I ever be able to pay for my children to have a car for the birthday? Yeah. You know, that's that used to be my thing. I'd be like, 
how am I even going to be able to write in the insurance and all the rest of it? Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, I don't, it would never cross my mind. So I'm like, well, when it's when they're 17, we'll just get them a car. Yeah. And like, we are getting a car. Yeah. I'm a single one. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's priceless. Mm. And does that mean they're spoiled and entitled? I don't know. Does it mean that they get a car when they're 17? Mm. Like, that's what I would have wanted. Mm. Yeah. So I see it like a privilege mm. to be able to treat my children like that. Mm. Um, is it going to make them spoil little brats? I think they were probably spoiled little brats before. Mm. You know, they were just, you know, they just wanted everything anyway. Yeah, I think they and, do because they have no concept of where it's coming from. They have no concept of money or um, the fact that you have to work in order to, you know, provide value, whatever it might be, whether that's in a job or your own business. They don't, they don't have any concept. Um, I think when you work for yourself, similar to our son, because my husband works from home, so he, my, my husband's always been available, so he's never really missed out on anything. So when there's stuff been going on at school, my husband's always been there. So from that point yeah. of view, it has been coloured a little bit because when I then started going out because I had to go and get a job... It's like, oh, but you've always both been here. And, and that's that was what he felt more than not being able to, you know, go down to have a pizza or go out and whatever it might be. Yeah. Exactly. And I think yeah. that's I more mean, important. The, I mean, my life's... Yeah, and it, when I was really... I mean, I've been self-employed for a long, long time, so I've never really missed any of those things. Mm. And I've done a million school books. I've always stopped doing those. Like, I'm not one of those parents that's... Like, I've been to every harvest festival and, and enjoyed every single one and mm. everyone that's like oh I can't wait mm. well i carols around the trees quite like that one mm. um, but you know like but I've done it all I've been mm. there yeah. without fail yeah but I've been there and been absolutely skinned and not be able to afford to be there really yeah. and probably should have had a job yeah but you know I've had a job where I've worked seven till three in a warehouse I've, I've done all kinds of stuff and, mm. and made all kinds of sacrifices mm. and one of the things that I talk about and I talked about a lot over the summer and people don't like to hear it is that if you want to build a business and really build a business like mine, where now I don't have to go to work. Mm. I don't have to go to work. My work, my, my honestly, honestly, I've got a team around me now that means that I, the only work I need to do is to do a live mm. and I don't have to do that. Mm. And I do my podcast. That's mm. it. So actually my work days, actually I have to do work days probably about 20 minutes, half an hour a day. Mm. Right. Which is utopia, right? You yeah. pay yourself 10 grand a month. You know, the business turning over well over a million a year. Yeah. I've got a team of people that do everything. I've mm. got assistance for everything. Mm. I've got a team of BAs. I don't do anything myself. Mm. I've like a cleaner, I've someone does my washing and my iron puts it all back again. Um I've got someone who valorizes all my travel, organizes all my appointments, mm. someone who organizes, makes sure that I get my massages every month and my Reiki. Mm. Like I like have my hair done, that all gets booked in for me. At work, I don't have to do lift a finger on anything. Mm. I've got an operations director. I've got a team of people who organise all my travel, all my bookings, all my appointments, everything. Mm. But to get to get here, there, so yeah. this is utopia, right? Yeah. To get here, yeah. And I know that will trigger. Honestly, I know listening to that will trigger a lot of people. Mm. I get it. Yeah, mm. it would have triggered me massively. Mm. I'm telling you all that to inspire you, right? If I can do it, yeah. anybody can do it. So Anyone can do myself it. Out of shit in three years yeah. as well. Yeah. Anybody can do it. Yeah. We are at this incredible intersection of technology and opportunity where anybody can do what I've done. Yeah. Any, and that's what I'm so passionate about. I'm like, I'll never forget what it was like being in the shit. Mm. Never, ever, 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 ever. And mm. my my mission is to get people to where I am, if that's what they want. And yeah. I'll be like, oh, that's what we want. But along the way, you're going to have to make sacrifices. Mm. Mm. You're going to have to do the work. Mm. And people say to me, oh, I want to have six weeks off with my children and be present. I'm like, well, you can't. Mm. Well, you can. Because you've not built your business at that point. You you can do that. You can do that if if you're prepared to work in the night in order to have them with the day or you're prepared to have a plan in place and say, okay, well, I can only see you in the afternoons because I'm working in the morning or whatever it might be. It is achievable. Exactly. But you yeah. have to have a plan in place in order to achieve. It's that um, picture of the ice iceberg, isn't it? You don't see everything that goes yeah. underneath. You only see what's on the top. And everybody just wants the bit that's on the top. Yeah, everyone wants that bit. Everybody mm. wants it. And, it. and it's like everyone can have it. Mm. But you've got to make sacrifices. So people see me. So I've, I, I need to write down 
like where I've actually been this year, but I've travelled so much this year. So, yeah. I really, really have. Yeah. I've been all around been all around the world mm. it's been amazing I, I was going to say I don't travel as much next year but we've just mapped out next year and probably travel just as much but it's amazing and I absolutely love it mm. right but it means I don't see my children as much mm. as I used to mm. but I've been with my children <laughs> non-stop you know like I say I've been there now they're old enough yeah and I say to them look you know going away it's for work you mm. know like, oh, whatever mm. but this is this is my life now. This yeah. is my lifestyle now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but it's not always been like this. But you're going to have to adjust to this new lifestyle. And it means that we'll go away in the summer. We'll go away, like when it's New York in May. You know, mm. we'll go away when we can. And I'll book family holidays in as well. But mm. I want to go and do all the things. Because I have my children at 25 and 27. Yeah. I've just turned 40. Mm. Like, I I never did the traveling thing. I never went. And But now I can do it all business class and stay in really nice hotels. Yeah. Probably much more suited to me than uh, <laughs> been, been doing backpacking when I was 17. But yeah. I was ill when I was 17. I couldn't even get out of the house. I'm yeah. my man in the world. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I love my children, obviously. That doesn't need to be said. No. Like, to absolute, to death. But at the same time, I want to live my life as well. You yeah. Know? I've been a single mum for the last 10 years. Yeah, so and I, you're, I think I also... I want to live my life. And, and I, they need to see that. Yeah. Because I, I don't want them... The thing is, I... I always think about what I want them to be like with their children. Mm. I don't want them to sacrifice their whole lives to be a stay-at-home mum, you know, never leave the country, never, mm. like, have a night out without them, you know, mm. never get a babysitter or whatever. Yeah. Like, they've, they've always seen me, like, I love to party. So we've always had, when the kids were little, we just had parties in the house. Mm. You know, now I'll go out a bit more and they can leave the children and stuff. But they've always seen me have a really full and active social life. Yeah. I want them to have the same. Yeah. Yeah, and not be frightened and and that it's achievable for them. Everything that they do, as long as they have a plan and they're prepared to work at that plan. They don't always always like it. No. You know, they'll say, like, I don't want you, why are you going away again? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going going to Thailand this week. And they're like, and Mm. I'm like, you have to like it, (laughs) but you'll want to live like this. So your kids will be pulling that face at one, you know, at one point. Yeah. That's just part of how it is. But people need to understand, like, you can't really have it all. Someone, someone's yeah. either not going to like it or not be happy. But you've got to keep your eye on the prize, and that's like raising, you know, successful children. Yeah, and I think part of that is modelling how you want them, how you want them to live their lives. Yeah, which yeah. is not like they have to live their lives like me, but they have to live their lives like they want to. Yes. So I live my life on my terms, and mm. I want them to live their life on my terms, whatever that means for them. Yeah. As far as. When you're talking about, you know, some people won't like this and stuff like that. I've had a few comments come back to me in the various communities that I engage in. This topic that seems to come up all the time about trolls and haters and when um, young people are growing up, how they, because obviously they're connected to the world that they're connected to most of the time via their phones. And they don't really know how to deal with haters and trolls and stuff like that so can you just help us give the Helen Pritchard view of things because I know it's quite a direct view of things it's a big topic for me yeah Yeah. so when you have any level of online success you get a lot of people who don't like it that's Mm. just the way it is Mm. and I'm sure a lot of people who don't like me in the the real world as well and I think again it's about modeling isn't it Mm. see what I get told a lot and this triggers me is just ignore it Mm. just rise above it Mm. you know don't give them the time and energy. Mm. You just keep doing what you're doing. And I'm like, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I, why am I, Why do I need to rise above it? I'm not, I'm not, troll, I'm not yeah. posting on anyone else's stuff. Yeah. I'm not going around being negative to people. People are coming to me. Mm. So they're putting their hand up saying, I don't like what you're saying. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like who you are. And I'm supposed to be like, oh, that's cool, yeah. yeah. It's like, no, hang on a minute. How fucking dare you? Mm. How dare you come into my world and start giving me great like I've not I, I don't know who you are yeah right? I've no idea who you are you come you come to me and I'm I'm supposed to be like sit down shut up don't say anything rise above it I'm like hang on a minute yeah. that's just saying it's okay mm. that's just saying it's okay so yeah I mean I used to get really emotionally attached to it I don't now mm. I'm not emotionally attached to it but at the same time I don't think it's okay no I don't think it's okay at all no. what message is that telling my daughters mm. so if someone someone starts bullying you or being nasty to you and they do get it mm. they do get it they're very open honest with me and they, they show me stuff on the phones and it's disgusting mm. the way that, that children behave with each other yeah but you know they've seen me just be like you know 
how dare you speak to me like that? Blah, 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 do that and then block them. And that's kind of, that's that's where they, that's kind of their, their attitude is like, it's not okay. Mm. And then I'm going to say it's not okay. Mm. And then I'm going to get them out of my life and forget about them. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best that I can do. Parents today are kidding themselves if they think that, that the kids aren't going to get online bullied and yeah. they're not going to get dick pics and they're not going to get this and the other. You're kidding yourself. Mm. Kidding mm. yourself. Mm. And if you go to the police every time or you go, go to school every time, it's just, it's the drama yeah. that the kids don't want. Yeah. They don't want, you know, like dick pics, for example. So mm. we were talking about this the other day with the girls. Like, I get them, the girls get them, Right. And we think they're ridiculous and hilarious. Mm. That's it. Yeah. And then we move on with our day. Yeah. And it's like, I know a lot of parents are like, oh my God, your daughter's 14 and mm. you're not going to the police. And it's like, it's just some sad kid yeah. waving his willy about. It's like, it's not even worth like five seconds of our time. Mm. It's like, that's ridiculous. Mm. Your willy's horrible. End of. Yeah. Block, delete. I don't know. It's like, I, I was thinking, should I, should I be going to the police? Should I? Be? Well, you know, it's not some grown man no it's like some kid in it you know and i'm just like like we're just like willies are weird aren't they (laughs) end of story but do you (laughs) think do you think when when you take yourself back to when you were their age and when you were unwell and you had your mental health issues what have you done in order to move yourself from because at that point perhaps you would have taken it a different way and thought about it differently and played on your mind etc yeah what have you done to yourself to in order in order to now equip yourself to have that point of view that you have now and to teach your your kids that way? Yeah, so I mean, massive journey of self discovery. Like mm-hmm. when you start to study your own mind, it's like it is like literally mind blowing. So mm-hmm. I really, really invested a lot of time and energy into educating myself on how the mind works mm-hmm. and just about how you can. One of the things I say to the girls is that you can say no to yourself. Mm-hmm. I always talk about like, you know, so when you're in your head is saying, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do that, you know, and it's like talking about, you can be like, no, not today. Mm. So like, oh, this is a really bad situation. I'm going to have a massive panic attack, blah, 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 you can't get out, you try to do it. And it's almost like, not today. Yeah. And you just become a master of your own mind of like, no, I haven't got time for that today. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to do that. And I think once you realize you have that control Mm -hmm. over the parts of your brain that are, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of, I've educated myself massively, but, you know, we know these are like, you know, lizard brain things like keeping you safe, fight or flight, you mm. know, neural pathways and all that kind of stuff. But fundamentally, you can be like, not, not today. And I used to be a very heavy smoker and I, I gave up and it was almost like an out-of-body experience watching myself argue with myself, you mm. know, I'll, you know, I'll have a cigarette, just have a small cigarette, but yeah. like, no, I'm not doing that. And, yeah. you know, I'm a, I've got a very addictive personality. Mm. I'm a real hedonist. I tend to go all in for things. Mm. Um, and so you have to have a level of self-control. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that's, what you're that's saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. you can choose. Yeah, so this this person is being really horrible to me. I'm, am I going to let that that today? Is that going to ruin my day today or not? That's yeah. my choice. I'm going to make a decision. Yeah, yeah. And stick to it. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's a, um... So, I mean, I don't know. Look, look. So the girls massively about mental health. I mean, they, they know all about it. I'm very open and honest with, with children. Like, mm. they know all about the mental health and being in the priory and all that kind of stuff. So I'd like to think they could talk to me if they, if mm. they needed to be. So. Yeah. And it's a much more open issue now. They feel more, much more comfortable. Certainly when I was a teenager, you never spoke about stuff like that, whereas it's a common yeah. common I mean, like, conversation starting. about suicide it. and self-harm. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, things that we just wouldn't even mention when I was their age. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll openly, openly talk about things like that. So. Yeah, very healthy. What, what we, we just we're winging it every day, yeah. right? That's yeah, there's no manual. There's no manual that comes with it. Yes, we can. That's it. That's it. No, and I'm just like, well, they're they're, they're winging it every day as well. Like, let's just see how we get on. Yeah. So, who inspires you, or what inspires you? Um, so, from a business point of view, Denise Duffield Thomas was is my one sort of business inspiration, and that is it. Mm. I don't have a lot of. I wouldn't say um, I'm. I'm interested in what other people are doing. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't really follow other people. I don't join other people's groups. I don't do other people's trainings. Um, I'm in. I'm in Mitch Miller's Dark Horse Council, which is a mass business mastermind, which meets up once a quarter in different places around the world. Mm-hmm. 
and I think Mitch is amazing. And the reason why I, I pay Mitch and I follow Mitch and I, and I, you know, he's my, I suppose, my one sort of mentor mm-hmm. is because he lives the life that, that I, I, well, yeah. I now live as well. But, yeah. you know, and that's why I wanted to work with him because he walks the walk. So I am, I am a tough sell. Mm. I am a very, I'm mm. very, very cynical on, on things like this. In fact, I'd say 90% of the people in my world are full of shit. Mm. So I, I would never follow them or buy from them. And literally, I've met a lot of them mm-hmm. who would have been, you know, classed as my sort of idols at one point, I guess. Uh, and some of them are amazing and some of them aren't. So mm. they're just normal people like anyone else, yeah. winging it as best they can. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely don't see anybody particularly, certainly in, in the world that I, mm. in, that I inhabit. I mean, I'm good mates with like Michelle Stonehill. I think she's very, very good and a very, very genuine person mm. we met. And we're, we're like really really hit it off so I think she's great and you know there's lots of lovely people but I wouldn't say anyone who particularly inspires me the only thing that the person who inspires me the most is me mm. and that's not like an ego and I arrogance thing it's like no one's coming to save me yeah. I can't give anyone someone to solve this problem like I've got to make this happen yeah and it's all the responsibilities on my shoulders yeah it really is so I mean a lot of people come up to me and I, when I won the award, I said this on the stage, but like, oh, you're so ins- inspirational and, you know, you're this, that, and the other. And it's almost like, don't be, in, be inspired by me. Mm. But it's it's not, I'm no different to anyone else. Yeah. Nothing, nothing special about me. Yeah. In fact, the opposite. Mm. Like, if I can do it, like, let anyone can do it. Yeah. Because I'm just, literally, I don't know how I get through each day. I'm, I live a very chaotic life, you mm. know, just making it up to go along, make terrible mistakes all the time, you know, do bad things, good things, you know, it's just, I'm just a normal person. Mm. And I would never want anyone to put me on any kind of pedestal mm. and think this would be the best one because it's not. I mean, the money is amazing and I can see why that's impressive, you yeah. know. Yeah. One of the reasons why I was, I was interested in Michelle originally because she was doing 100k months and that, that was my next target and mm. I was like, oh, that's my next target. And so mm. I think from things like that, you know, people want to, People are like, oh, I want to do a million yeah. in in under a year. Like, cool. Like, follow me, and I'll, I'll help you. Yeah, you know, and I'll show you how how we do it. I'm very open, and honest about how I do things. You mm-hmm. know, there's no secrets. There's no like behind the scenes people don't know. So, no. yeah, from an inspirational point of view, from the money point of view, then hopefully that's it. And, but again, I talk a lot about what I spend my money on and how I enjoy it and what I do. And I think that's really important for me to do that, just to model the way that I want us to all be around money is that it's mm. a wonderful thing and we should love it and embrace it and celebrate it instead of being all weird odd about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I am inspired by what you have done and what you achieve and how not how simple you make it look, but how achievable you make it look. If you yeah, follow the process, follow the process, do X, Y, and Z. And like you said at right at the beginning, even if you don't do it all the time, at least if you do it, some you will benefit from it. And I know that in what I've done with, with following your mastermind. And I think when you, from that point of view, you are inspiring and you shouldn't put yourself down in that you don't inspire people to do it because you do. And you take that privilege very well. I think you handle that really well because it is a privilege and an honour when you're in that position. It is a privilege and it's a, a massive um, it's a responsibility. I have mm. responsibility to my audience mm. to to be honest, go open and show up and, and celebrate all the things that I do, yeah. do love. And yeah. for, for every person who's like, yeah, she bought herself a Rolex, so what? You know, yeah. blah, 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 blah. You know, there's someone else that's like me mm. who's always dreamt of having a Rolex. Because, yeah. like, I first saw a Rolex when I first started my business, excuse me, I was, did massage therapy and this woman handed me a watch and it was really heavy and I remember just having to pick up on the mm. way to put it in the bowl. And it was a, it was a lady... A lady's Rolex, mm. and I just thought, oh, I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps now <laughs> thinking about it. And that was like 15 years ago. So yeah. when I was sat in the Rolex shop buying one for cash, yeah, like that's how much it meant for me. Yeah. So for every person who's like, who cares? Mm. There'd be somebody, somebody somewhere thinking, I want that. I want yeah. that. And, yeah. and that and those things, those sim- symbolic things, are really, really important. Yeah. As are rewarding yourself, but yeah. not just constant, constantly like wanting more. Yeah. Same with Phil. So Phil's my operations director. We work very closely together. He's a massive part of my business. He just bought himself an Aston Martin. Mm. It's like his boyhood dream come yeah. true. You know, don't underestimate. This isn't about being flash or showing off. This is like people's dreams yeah. coming true, like manifesting themselves in reality. I was so scared to buy anything 
like that because I just wanted to spend it all on experiences mm. because experiences are more important than things. And then I was like, well, things can be important too because yeah. things are an experience. Yeah, and it's about the balance. You're like, oh, money doesn't, money doesn't buy you happiness. It's like, fucking helps. Yeah, but I'd rather be in that position. Yeah. What's the alternative? I'd rather be in that position where I can well, say, yes, actually. I've been the opposite. Yeah. And I still... I've been absolutely on my asking and I've had some amazing experiences with my children, don't mm. get me wrong. Mm. But it's always, always coloured by I can't afford this or yeah. I've got I can't you know, I can't sleep at night because yeah. I can't pay my bills. Yeah. So it's it does give you a level of happiness because it gives you a level of security. Yeah. And security is one of the hierarchy of needs. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's important. <laughs> and that's why it's so important for me. Like if I can help people and I know, I know I change people's lives because they tell me every day. Yeah. I get messages every day. Yeah. Change my life. I, you know, I've had people take the kids on holiday for the first time, pay off their student debts. Mm. that has been hanging over them for 15 years. Yeah. You know, leave their shitty husbands, which is like my proudest achievement. And, yeah. um, you know, suddenly they've got independence yeah. and they can do what they want. Like, give it like Lisa Barry. Like, we had a call and she's like, I'm. I'm selling my house. I'm moving to a caravan and then we're taking all the kids around the world. We're going to become digital nomads. And I'm mm. just it's like, she's like, I never ever would have done that without you. And you know, and you're just like, yeah. shit, that's big. Yeah. That is a big impact. You yeah. Know? And that just makes me super happy. Yeah. And so like, in- I'm just the luckiest girl in the world, really. I get to do stuff that I love. I have a really nice life out of it and I help other people have nice lives. Like, yeah. it doesn't get any better than that, really. And there are enough people in the world that you can help those people that resonate with you and the other people will find whoever they resonate with. Yeah, of Absolutely. course, yeah. of course. You know, people say to me all the time, Marker, you know, we, you should see our help desk. It's hilarious. I don't even want to look at it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, people message us like, I would never work with Helen because she was drinking wine on her live and I would never work with Helen because of her language to somebody. Or, no, she's rude, she's this, and it's like, maybe doing yourself a favour. Mm-hmm. Because imagine if you give me some money. Yeah. And then realised what I was like. Yeah. You know, I am just the way I am. And yeah. Interesting though, three years on, I've got a quite a number now. I've got quite a collection of people who are now approaching me saying, listen, you know, I really didn't like you. Mm. Uh, and I was, you know, I sent an email and we had an email and I'm just like, I can't remember. Mm. You know, or I, I really have not been very nice about you and to you, but now I've seen you, you know, mm. I, you know you're the real. Yeah, and it's like, cool story. Like, mm. it doesn't really affect me when no. people like me. No, it, it would. It did when I was thirteen, mm. but I'm forty now. Like yeah. I'm a grown woman, and I've got enough evidence. See, so I know a lot of people that might mistake my confidence for arrogance, but it, my confidence is because of evidence. Yeah, like I know success leaves clues. Yeah, and thousands of people have bought from me, and thousands of people have had success through me. So yeah. I, I can really sit in, sit comfortably as myself, and say, "Look, my everyone's gonna like me, but." That's enough fine. people do yeah. and enough people get the result yeah yeah, yeah. so it's a, it's a really nice position to be in mm. it's a nice position to be in and I did I did not I had no idea this is where I'd end up three years ago not mm. a clue I did not start this business thinking I'm going to make a million in a year I started this business thinking I need to make two and a half grand a month yeah, yeah. So and that's in, why I say like foundational 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 yeah, yeah that in itself is One inspiring yeah that in itself, I think when we're talking about young people, what you can achieve, yeah, you put your mind to it, this set yourself a goal and just work on that goal and keep reevaluating it, then you're gonna you're gonna smash that goal yeah. before you even realise it, which is what you've done with your million pound year, a yeah, year exactly. ten. Yeah. Fantastic. And I have set that as my goal in January. Mm. And um I felt sick when I said it out loud on the line. But then it just became inevitable. Like it just felt as mm. over the year it went past, it just felt like it was inevitable. Yeah. Did you feel at any point that you should be moving that goal? What up or down? Up. No, not really. And the, the million pound goal was like a strategic goal for, I mean, one for ego, but two for positioning because, mm. you know, it, it then more people want to speak to me, people mm. want me on the podcast, you know, mm. it's, we're going to write a book about it and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was kind of like we just want to do the million. We'll do well, well over a million in the year mm. because that was just from launches alone. Mm. I just didn't include all the other stuff that we've got coming revenue wise, mm. you know. But yeah, we went for lunch with Phil, and next year's goals like four point eight or something. So it's mm. always getting bigger and bigger. And but the the key thing is though has to not include any more work from me. So yeah. I'm, I like my life just as it is, my lifestyle. So. Yeah. 
Fantastic. I'd probably do 10 if I would do a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd do a bit of work. Probably 10, but I refuse to because I'm like, I love my life exactly as it is now. Like, I don't have to set an alarm. I don't have to be anywhere, go anywhere or do anything. Mm. So it's perfect. It's fine. The podcast is called Raising Successful Kids. So what does that mean to you? It means raising children that are completely and utterly 100% at ease with who they are and how they're showing up mm-hmm. in the world. That's it. Fantastic. Whatever that means. Success is totally personal to them, so whatever that means for them. And I think the key to raising successful children is not positioning your own version of success onto them. That's brilliant. Thank you so much There's for taking... There's quite a, a high possibility my children won't want to be business women because they've seen me do it. They want to do something else. We go and <laughs> be charity workers in Africa or something. <laughs> That's right. As long as they're the most successful people doing that, it's not always about it's not about wealth. Um, it's about having that attitude of success in all areas of their lives. So thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. It's lovely having chatted to you, you on this level rather than just seeing you as my mastermind <laughs> leader. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Lovely. Thank you very much. How can people get hold of you? Just before you go, how can people get find you? The easiest way is to find me on Facebook. So if you search for Hello Pritchard Warrington, you'll just find me. You can only follow me because I'm up to the limit. Um, but if you follow me on there, you'll see my I do lives every day, which aren't always about LinkedIn, it's about my life. Um, and then my free group on Facebook, which is called Hello Pritchard's LinkedIn Marketing Group, which is just about to grow over 10,000 people, which is quite exciting. Mm. And, of course, you can find me and follow me on LinkedIn as well, Hello Pritchard. Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you so much, Helen. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye now. Bye-bye.